Dwight Howard. Darren Jackson Jr. Dwight Howard. Darren Jackson Jr. Dwight Howard. He's got the tape moving. He's got Moran the going right at Conley. The Grizzlies into the lead, 119 to 118. On this episode of NBA Now and Then, The Greatest Comparisons, we explore similarities and differences of two premier shot blockers of their respective eras. This player leaped right out of his high school gym and into the Orlando Arena. Next up, the Hall of Fame. Their game's exceptionally dominant at the rim. He's watched shots from today's most prolific scores. Thwarting opponents while anchoring top defensive teams. Their freakish athleticism deterred more shots than we can count. We are delighted to present to you Jaron Jackson Jr. and Dwight Howard. I'm Uriah. I'm Maurice. I'm Lucas. And I'm Ben. And we are here to talk NBA now and then. Okay, before we jump into this fantastic comparison, it's important for us to share our Patreon page. Why, you might ask? How else are you going to hear our wicked comparisons of NBA legends? Without Patreon members, who's going to feed us with the best NBA comparisons that we can't even imagine? For a couple bucks a month, you can be a part of our exclusive Hoops community. Hey, you heard him, guys. Our original content gets even better with a membership tier on our Patreon page. Join today for access to episodes that include comparisons of killers like Jimmy Butler to Kobe Bryant, giants like Anthony Davis to Kevin Garnett, and snipers like Steve Nash and Steph Curry. For all the details of how to join this merry bunch of hoop heads and basketball nerds, visit patreon.com forward slash NBA now and then. That's patreon.com forward slash NBA now and then. We just wrapped up talking about some excellent defenders in their own right, more like perimeter players. We're talking about, obviously, Draymond Green and Metal World Peace. So we're going from that comparison to another really great defensive comparison. Today, we're talking about Jaron Jackson Jr. and Dwight Howard, two massive human beings with superb athleticism. Let's go to Lucas first. When you think about these players, Lucas, what stands out to you the most when you're comparing them? Just the freakish way that they can manipulate the ball while it's mid-shot. Maurice? Intimidating interior shot blockers and defenders, specifically in a low post. And Ben? Just the athleticism, the defense. Yeah, just perennial kind of defensive players of the year. Oh, yeah. Whenever I've seen them play, it reminds me of when I played basketball and you have that guy on the other team who's like 6'6", six, six, and you know when you go in there, you're going to have to put a little bit extra arc on your shot or your scoop is going to have to come from a, a weird angle. And it just seems like no matter what, these two guys are going to get to that shot block like you guys alluded to. So let's jump into it. First quarter, background. All right, it's time to talk about Triple J, a.k.a. the Block Panther. But before he got tagged those nicknames, he was born Jaron Walter Jackson II in Plainfield, New Jersey, September 15th, 1999. He later grew up in Carmel, Indiana, on the outskirts of Indianapolis. His parents, Terry, 
and Jaron Jackson Sr., they have strong connections to hoops. So Jaron Jr.'s dad played for a dozen years in the NBA, and he actually played for nine different NBA teams. Does anyone know who his dad played for and won a championship with in the late 90s? I actually know that one. I know. Yeah. Does anyone know that one? I I don't, but I'm going to guess the Spurs. Yeah, it's the Spurs. Is that what you guys said? The Spurs, yeah. All right. All right. Good job, guys. Hey, that was a good guess. But late 90s, it felt like it was the Spurs' time, you know? It's only... Think about it. Late nineties, it's only Chicago, right? Chicago and the Spurs, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that was kind of a no brainer. Yeah, they won the last. They won in ninety nine. Yeah. Yep. Jaron Jr.'s mom has a prominent role in the WNBA. She's director of operations for the Women's National Basketball Players Association. Basketball wise, Jaron Jackson started out at Park Tudor High, where he led the team to back to back high school state titles. He eventually transferred to another school called La Lumiere as a prep senior, and he led that team, guys, to a 29-1 record and the Max Preps Independent Top 10 National Championship. I will give you a million bucks if anybody knows this one. Who knows what current Washington Wizard was a high school teammate of Jaron Jackson Jr.? Jordan Poole. How'd you know that? I thought you were thought, going to give us. I thought you were going to let us guess the rest of it. Honestly, you know you're right. Honestly, you're right. Yeah. It, it's just the age. Like I, I, I like did like draft, and okay. I just thought of who was on that team, and right. yeah, age. All right, can I pay uh, you in installments? Because and, they, and they're from and they and they're. I know they're. I know they're both from the Midwest. So, Maurice, you knew that, right? The teammates. I was going to say Paul or Kuzma. There's only two wizards I know. Actually. Okay. Kuzma's too old. Kuzma was a oh, junior okay. when he when he uh, got drafted, so it couldn't have been Kuzma. All right, Ben, I owe you a million dollars. All right. Process of elimination would have been pulled. You can pay me in crypto. 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 <laughs> oh, I thought God. maybe maybe I thought maybe Landry Shamit uh, to be like a dark horse there. Michigan, Michigan State. I I feel like that was if you just know a little bit about Jordan Poole, it, I felt like that was. Oh, a, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Good point. So all three of you outsmarted me. Let's get to. Jaron Jackson, Triple J was a 2017 McDonald's All-American. He also played in the Jordan Brand Classic. Before committing to a school in the 2016, he narrowed his top five schools down to Purdue, Notre Dame, Georgetown, Maryland, and Michigan State. Let's go with Maurice first. What stands out to you about anything related to his background coming up in high school? Well, first of all, I think we've mentioned this before. Well, you have a father who's played in the NBA. You're, you're a couple steps ahead of the game. Yeah, the dad thing, the training you'd get. Also, your dad like knows like how to get to the league, and then obviously both of his parents. So yeah, I think I feel like we're seeing a lot of like sons of former players make it. Yeah, and I think it has a lot to do with like they know, so they're guiding them. Oh, yeah. and, um, and then the, the training must be insane. Like, uh, yeah. like think about like. Your dad is an NBA player. Like, that must be, I mean, Kobe Bryant kind of had that. So, yeah. like, it must be so intense. I want to say it's more mental than physical. Your mindset is a little bit different. You're wired a little bit differently. For sure. But the one on one and like your driveway must just be insane. <laughs> the one on one games. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Lucas, what about you? It's not just the father, which is impressive. 
it made me think of when uh, Jabari Smith Jr. pulled LeBron aside during a game last year and said that you played against my dad your <laughs> first game, which Jabari Smith Sr. was a forward on the uh, on the Sacramento Kings during that LeBron's premier game. All right, so collegiately at Michigan State, Jaron Jackson only stayed for one year. That year, he averaged almost 11 points, six rebounds, and three blocks in 22 minutes a game as a Spartan. He shot 51% from the field. Here's an over-under for you. Three-point percentage, over-under, 39%. Under. Under. I'm going to take the high on this, and I'm going to say over. Why not? Look at you just guessing, Mr. (laughs) Mr. Lucky Guess. You're always Mr. Lucky Guess. (laughs) You are correct. He shot 39.6%. I remember him being a stretch uh, big in college. Yeah, yeah he's, he's not that bad of a shooter, and we'll get into that later. So uh, Jaron Jackson, he became the second player to ever be named Big Ten Freshman of the Year and Defensive Player of the Year in the same season. Who knows the other? Big Ten, Ohio State. There's your hint. We got to say Greg Oden? Yes, you're correct. Mm-hmm. You're on fire today, Lucas. Good job. All right. In 2018, he entered the NBA draft and was selected by the Memphis Grizzlies with the fourth pick in the first round. With the fourth pick in the 2018 NBA draft, the Memphis Grizzlies select Jaron Jackson Jr. from Michigan State University. The Big Ten freshman and defensive player of the year in his lone season with Tom Izzo and the Spartans. His dad was a longtime NBA player, won a championship with the Spurs. His mom is director of player ops at WNBA. As you see, Miles Bridges, his teammate at Michigan State, we will hear his name called a little bit later on tonight. But Jaron Jackson, big guy, shooting touch, do a lot of things, a modern big man. Ben, what stands out to you about the college career of Triple J? Not many players leave after their freshman year under Tom Izzo. Um, I guess now it, it doesn't matter, but uh, he usually gets people to stay a couple years or more. I'm actually always also surprised it's going to be that they got such a high recruit. For some reason, Michigan State, talent-wise, like you, Jason Richardson is probably their most talented player. Obviously, you had Magic Johnson before, but of like the modern era, you have like a, a lot of like hardworking guys. So. Yeah, I don't know who went before him in the draft. I'm curious about that 2018 draft because it made me think that Memphis has done a really good job of drafting people. It so was really, uh, DeAndre Aiden, Marvin Bagley, Luka. Luka. Wow, so he's way b- – okay, that was a good draft. Interesting. So, yeah, I mean, he's significantly better than those yeah. first two guys. I always thought it was a flash in the pan, and I always find it interesting that most big men that come out in the draft, especially nowadays, are not usually offensively polished at all. Usually it takes them time. It's definitely taken Jaron Jackson time during his career. The defensive skills were there. The three-point shot was maybe there. But we've seen plenty of guys that come into the NBA that are good defensively, that have shown three-point shooting in college, but then when they come to the NBA, like Adrian Payne's the first one that I think of. Another one is uh, Jalen Smith, who's currently on the Pacers, that it doesn't translate. So clearly there is a specialness to Jaron Jackson in regards to how he was developed in college and how he's been developed since. Yeah, I'll kind of piggyback off of Lucas there. 
I remember watching Michigan State that year, and I always thought because I, I I remember watching Joel Embiid, and when he was coming along at Kansas, you saw the potential there offensively, but it, it just wasn't polished yet to kind of steal Lucas Thunder there that work. But I, I I seen the potential at the NBA level when it be, when it came to offensively and his three point shooting. Thirty nine, he shot thirty nine percent, so. It was there. It was always there. He just needed to be polished out in the NBA. Yeah, all good points. One thing I'll say is at MSU, Jaron Jackson, he was ranked seventh in the nation in blocks per game. And that was just as a freshman getting 20 minutes a night. So imagine if he'd return for a sophomore season. I know Ben was kind of curious why he only stayed one year. But, yeah, he could have really maybe set some records in the in the Big Ten. And you're right, that that goes to the bigger conversation is now with one and done, a lot of college records are still staying intact because these guys are not staying for two, three, four years. Exactly. All right, if I had Superman music, I would be playing it right now, but it just dawned on me. So now we're going to talk about Superman, a.k.a. D12, a.k.a. The Daily Double. Not sure if you guys knew about that one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maurice was like, huh? <laughs> so before he was tagged those nicknames, he was born Dwight David Howard on December 8th, 1985 in Atlanta, Georgia. I have to preface this, guys. It was kind of hard for me to find biographical info on Dwight Howard for whatever reason. So I did find an interview that he did with a journalist called Chad Bonham on the site beliefnet.com. The interview was taking place, it took place around the third year of Dwight Howard's career. So this is from Dwight Howard, some of the information I'm sharing. So Howard was asked about his parents growing up and he revealed that his dad, I don't know if you knew this, his dad was a state trooper, he's law enforcement. And his dad used to actually tell Dwight about how dangerous the job would be. And a few times he might've, had a brush in with death at some point. But I think that part of the interview was really him being able to give honor and glory to God because back then he was really religious, had a strong faith. Uh, He said that they didn't grow up poor, but they also didn't have a lot of money. So Dwight Howard recalled that as a kid, he used to wear $10 sneakers. So take that for what it is. Growing up, Dwight played almost every sport except soccer and hockey. Go figure. He realized he knew basketball was a legit dream when he played AAU ball. And in his first year of AAU, his team placed third in the nation. Howard spent his high school career at Southwest Atlanta Christian Academy. Anybody want to guess his stat averages for points, rebounds, and blocks in high school? Let's go with Maurice first. What do you think his his averages were? Well, I'm going to assume at least a double-double, maybe even a triple-double. I don't know. But... uh with, with blocks, uh, let's go 20, 12, and 6 or 7 blocks. All right, Lucas? 16, 14, and 5. And Ben? I'm going to go 25, 15, and 5. All right, Lucas, you're showing off today, man, because well, you're the closest. You're the closest. So, So can I tell you something? I wish I would have thought about this before the podcast because 
I actually have a DVD called Superstars. It starts off with Kevin Garnett shooting mid-rangers after he won his MVP. Right. And it follows three Atlanta-based youths following Dwight Howard, oh, Josh okay. Smith, and some point guard that Washington was his last name. Okay. So I learned a lot about Dwight from that from video. that video. Yeah. Cool. So his averages were actually 16.6 points. 13.4 rebounds and 6.3 blocks in 129 games. So all of you are coming wow. in the same arena. Yeah. Ben was a little high on the points, over 20, 25 points. So let's get to his high school accolades. He was the Naismith Prep Player of the Year, Gatorade National Player of the Year, McDonald's Player of the Year. In the McDonald's All-American Game, he was co-MVP with another future NBA star who's from New Jersey back in 2004. Any guesses on who he shared the co-MVP with in the McDonald's game? Here's a hint. He was in the 2009 dunk contest, and he just went back to college to play golf. J.R. Smith. Oh, uh, Jerry Smith. J.R. Smith. Smith, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so I, that completely was like, I didn't know that. I didn't even know they can do like a co-MVP of that game. All right, so in the 2004 NBA draft, Dwight Howard was selected number one overall by the Orlando Magic. With the first pick in the 2004 NBA draft, the Orlando Magic select Dwight Howard from Southwest Christian Academy. You have to remember some of the reaction in the house will be from All right, Maurice, what stands out to you about his, well, he didn't play college. So is there anything that stands out to you about his background, Maurice? Well, being the McDonald's number one player, that that stands out. I mean, because clearly you're the best young talent available. And um, going back to that draft, it's good to hear David Stern. Um, I like, I, I've always been a fan of David Stern. But anyway, um, yeah, the I don't understand the booze. What was the booze for? I mean, great. something with the Connecticut. They were in New York, and I don't know. Maybe they just didn't like that he was a high school player. Maybe they were mad because he didn't go to college. I don't know. But yeah, that would, that would that would kind of tie into Dwight Howard Dwight Howard's entire career. He was never really appreciated like yeah. he should have been. Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll get into some of that later. I I agree. He's definitely underappreciated, but we're going to bring out all the good stuff today about Dwight. Lucas, what stands out to you about Dwight Howard's numbers or high school accolades? I I'm, I'm going to go to the draft part of this. You know, Orlando really does good with first overall picks, and they're usually big men. Du- you know, Dwight followed Shaq and then now they have Paolo who's technically a 4, but you know, it kind of felt like Orlando needed a franchise player. And let's be clear, at first, and we'll go get into it more later, but he wasn't that, but he became that. But just the first overall pick being a high school kid did not happen very often. I'm kind of surprised he won player of the year with 16 points per game. 
Like I get they would have there would have been like an eye test thing, but I don't know. That I just find that really interesting. I think that, it might have been the whole idea of his impact. Cause he impacted rebounding and, and blocks like nobody else in the country. So I think his dominance on that side is a no brainer. Yeah, obviously he went the number he went number one, so people were were seeing something. But um yeah, I remember Okafor. I get why they were booing. And but yeah, they they made the right choice, obviously. I mean that those guys had very different careers. That that O four draft might have been historically bad. I think Yeah, that's made, the one that he's the only one, right? That's the really uh, bad one, right? Andre Iguodala, Mamet Okor I mean not Mamet, um uh Okor, uh Emeka Okor, uh who else was in that draft? Uh Dwight, Iggy Al Jefferson? Not, not many Al all stars. Not was many. Al, not many. Al, yeah. many. Was Al in that one, or was he in 06? Yeah, uh, I don't know. Jefferson. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He went. He went sixteenth. Uh, yeah. Okay, so he wasn't. Okay, fifteenth. Yeah, the Boston. Yeah. Okay, so he's in the draft. There's a few good ones in there. Second quarter statistics. Embiid. Drives. Oh, what a block by Jeffers! Holy cow, the defensive gem of the year! Wow! And look at this, Joel Embiid, he is at the rim. He's going to finish. Jaren said, not in our house! I mean, he just takes it from Joel Embiid. He thinks he has an easy two-hand slam. Jaren says... To get a nice rest here in his first half. Pirtle on the back down. And Jaron got another one, but so hot. Oh, another one. A double block by Triple J. This with Jaron Jackson Jr. Comes up with a block here. Sohan has a layup by himself, he thinks. Well, the block Panther says nobody is safe in the painted area as long as I am on the prowl. I find it interesting that the block Panther, that's, that's a fun nickname. But let's get into the numbers here real quick, all right? So Jaron Jackson Jr. is listed at 6'11", 242 pounds. He's only worn one jersey because he's only been on one team, and that's the Memphis Grizzlies, number 13. Let's take a look at some of these numbers here. His career year was last year. He averaged 18.5 points, only seven rebounds, one assist, one steal, three block shots per game, two turnovers. He also shot 50% from the field. 35.5% from the three-point line. And from the foul line, 79%. Now, I have a fun over-under for you guys here. For his career, does Jaron Jackson Jr. have below or above 600 blocks? Above. Above. I say above. Wow. All right. Wow. Below. Okay. He only has 558 career blocks. Now, oh, hmm. you also have to remember, in his third year, he only played 11 games. Right, so That's right. why I was yeah. tricked up. Yeah, yeah, that was, a trick, that was a tricky one. So let's go to his career stats now real quick, his career highs. Career high in points, 43 points. Career high in rebounds, 12. Assist, 5. Steals, 5. Over, under, 10 blocks as a career high. I go over. over. Go over under, under. Ben, you are the correct. It is 8 oh. blocks. Some interesting facts here. 
for two out of the five career years that he's played, he's led the league in blocks twice. This past season, it wasn't even close. He had next closest person was two and a half, and that was Nick Claxton of the Nets. And last season, when he led the league, it was 2.3 blocks. He's been relatively efficient as a shooter. There's only two seasons out of the five that he shot below 35% and only one below 30%. Let me start with Uriah. What are your thoughts on these stats? The one that stands out to me is the 43 points as a high. Mm -hmm. I'm assuming John Morant might have been out that game. (laughs) But Jaron Jackson, he's, I think, an underrated offensive player. And I think if he was in a different system, with different teammates, maybe he would be more of a focal point. But defensively, the blocks are ridiculous. I am surprised too, Lucas, about his rebounding. I'm sure one of you guys can elaborate on what you think that theory is, why he's not get grabbing more boards. But the last thing I'll say is you mentioned Nick Claxton. He was salty when he didn't get Defensive Player of the Year. Yes, he was. I don't know if you're like, he was, he was really ticked off. And you can't take anything away from Jaron Jackson because numbers don't lie. He averaged three a game, which is not easy to do. What about you, Maurice? Yeah, going back to the rebounding, I think the majority of his career, he's played with a borderline elite re- uh, rebounder in center in Steven, Steven Adams. So I think that's might have been the reason why his rebounding is a little low. Plus, we play in this game, playing the league now where guards like to take the rebound go. So it could be definitely be a lot higher. Um, that's the thing that really sticks out to me as well. 24 years old and already has two seasons where he led the league in blocks. That's really impressive as well. Can I just give you one of those, Maurice? Because you, you like the Thank question you. was, why doesn't he have more rebounds? And you jumped right in. And I completely <laughs> forgot that his yeah. teammate is one of the, the best rebounders in yeah, the league. He, he so he plays the yeah. four, not that's the a good, five. Yeah. Really good point. Yeah. What about you, Ben? You see it a little bit with bigs that help out, that play help defense. Uh, you see it with Embiid. You're like, why doesn't this guy get more rebounds? And I think it's probably a system thing. And Steven Adams. I think Steven Adams kind of clogs the lane. He also has guards that get rebounds. But it is an interesting thing. It, it's almost as if like he only focuses on like blocking shots. It's like it, it's all he's out there to do, whether it's a help block or a block on his own defender. It's it's partly why he fouls so much. So also the rebounding and scoring might be low because I imagine his minutes are low, Lucas, mm-hmm. because the guy fouls out all the time. But his, his um, highest career uh, minutes per game was his second season at twenty eight and a half. Yeah, there you go. So that that right there. Wow, that's not much. Yeah, there, I want to dive more into this after Ben's done. No, no. So that I, that kind of fits what I, where I was going. And he's obviously capable of the rebounding, but it could also be what Uriah was saying, like the players he's playing with, the system. And yeah, it, it sounds like Taylor, his coach is just kind of like, listen, man, let's just, let's just block these shots. I don't care how many you foul. And rebounding, I think, gets, gets missed on that. Because he's obviously capable. He's seven feet tall. Well, I'm not sure about that, Ben. And let me go into some reasons why. So give you guys some perspective here. His lowest year in terms of fouls per game was last, not this past season, but the season before. So the 2001 and 2022 season where he averaged three and a half fouls. That was his lowest. 
his lowest guys. Um, his highest was 4.1 in his second season. Guys, he's seven foot. So we have to ask the real question. If he's seven foot, why isn't he a center? Wait, I can explain. Jaron Jackson? Yeah, he's he I is. I thought you well, said he I was 6'11". 6'11", six, six six sorry. 6'11", okay. Essentially right. a seven footer, right? Okay. Yeah. Essentially a seven footer. He's essentially a seven footer and he's not playing center. We have to ask ourselves why. You guys say it could be because he's playing next to Steven Adams. The guards that he plays with is taking up some of the rebounds. I think it's deeper than that. And I know I'm not trying to bash Jaron Jackson by saying this. This is not my intention. But did you guys watch the Olympics at all this past summer? Yes. I missed it. I, I missed it. So, so, Maurice, you have an idea of where I'm going with this. So my point is, is that I don't think he has the basketball IQ to stay out of foul trouble while still being an effective shot blocker. <laughs> and I don't think he's tough enough to bang with the big boys because you saw it. He was the only center that Team USA played, and mm. they were getting out-rebounded by everybody. Yeah, he, I get what – he was almost unplayable. I get what he was, you're saying. He was almost unplayable, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And okay. they, they, he was their best center on the team. So he can't play center because he doesn't not he does not like to box out and rebound. He only averaged like two and a half rebounds per game for Team USA or wow. something around there. I want to say it was yeah, not a lot. That's not going to fly. So I don't think he can be a center. Which brings up the question: Is are you going to have to play this six foot eleven guy who fouls a lot with another big man for the rest of his career? Well, go, speak on that a little bit. Um, although he is a shot blocker and a good rim protector, interior defender, um, there's a little bit of finesse there. I, that's the best way I can put it. Um, Weight-wise, he's around 240. Uh, when you banging against guys in the NBA like Joel Embiid and, and – um, and, Zion um, Williamson. Yeah, he, I he's kind of built him. like he's kind of built like he's Tristan thin, Thompson. He's, thin, a little he's bit. thin on top, right? He doesn't have the widest shoulders. Right. He doesn't mm-hmm. have like the big waist either to like box out people. He's thin framed. He's not yeah. skinny, but he's not yeah. thick. Yeah. He's yeah. a smart defender, though. Like I would say, comparable to like Anthony Davis. If um, he was smart, then then how is he averaging this many fouls per game? Yeah, but if you watch if you watch Memphis games, like he's a big part of the reason why they're they have a top defense. If yeah. not the re- like, there there's stuff he's doing, Lucas, that he does have a very. Uh, you might he gets be a little, steals. He's good. He's you he's might good be a little, on defense. but I think he's a little overrated. He's a very unusual player because yeah. what what Maurice was saying is he does have this interesting like finesse, like have like a spin move. He's got a little handle. The three point shot looks unorthodox, but it goes in. He's had a very unusual game. Mm-hmm. Robinson got 10 off the bench in the first half, rejected by Dwight Howard. Orlando has been one of the top-ranked defenses in the NBA for Dwight Howard's entire tenure. Now the ball's loose, picked up by Stola. Howard charging down the lane with a left hand. Rejection by Dwight. He's trying to give them some energy. Howard meets him at the rim. Hello, Dwight Howard. Howard bats it into the third row. The fellas always at the rim ready to clean it up. He erases other players' defensive mistakes. So those were just some highlights from Dwight Howard. 
Uh, I'm not going to lie, guys. As a little kid, I really loved watching Dwight. He was really fun. He was funny and he was really athletic. And I always liked big men. So he's actually only listed at 6'10. And honestly, that might be a little generous. Because I remember the, remember the one year where they did uh, heights without the shoes. Mm-hmm. I think he was listed at 6'8. Mm. So if I remember correctly. But currently he is currently listed at 6'10. He is 265 pounds. Most of that is the his massive shoulders, though. Um, he's worn a lot of jerseys over the years. He he became a journeyman pretty quick. So he started his career with the Orlando Magic, where he wore 12. Then he wore 12 with his first stint with the Lakers in 2013. 2014 through 16, he was with the Rockets. He also wore 12. Then he got, I believe he was traded to the Hawks, where he uh, wore number... Uh, eight in 2017 2018 he was with the hornets where he went back to 12 then he spent one season barely played but he spent half a season with the washington wizards the last year of john wall and bradley beal uh he wore 21 his second and third stint with the lakers because he had technically three stints with the lakers he wore 39 and then with the sixers he wore 39 as well Dwight Howard has had some really crazy statistical seasons. Let me tell you guys. Oh, yeah. It was very hard to choose one. So I <laughs> decided to go, and you guys know that Dwight Howard was in the MVP conversation for a few years. So I went with the one where he had the highest MVP vote shares. That's fair. That was the 2010-2011 season. There were other seasons where he led the NBA in multiple stats. It it wasn't this season, but he was in the MVP race, so I went with this one. He it also was the highest points per game he ever had at essentially 23 points per game, 14 rebounds with four offensive rebounds a game. Just to put that into perspective. And one and a half assists, one and a half steals, two and a half blocks, and about 3.3 uh, fouls per game. He also shot 59% from the field free throw line. Not that good, 59.5%. So that was his other, but he led the league, and I'm, I'm going to steal some of your thunder here, Ben, and I apologize, but he led the league twice in shot blocking, mm. five times in rebounds. Wow. And during, he led the league in field goal percentage at least once, but honestly, there were a couple seasons that he had much higher than that. Uh, the, the season that he led it, was the the year before the 2009-2010 season at 61%. But his second stint with the Lakers in 2019-20, he shot 73%. Jeez. But let's go to his career highs now, okay? So, career high over under 50 points. Uh, Ben. Under. Maurice. Over. I'll go under. Ben and uh, Uriah, you are correct. It oh. was 45. I'm like 0 for 5 today. Mm-hmm. You're 0 for 5? <laughs> yeah, you are, you, you are struggling today, man. Okay. Career high in offensive rebounds is 11. Wow. Career high in rebounds is 30. That's sick. Ooh, Will Chamberlain numbers. <laughs> Will yeah. Chamberlain numbers. Assist, 7. Steals, 5. Blocks. 10, 10 blocks as a career high, turnovers 11. So 
Now that I gave you guys some of those stats real quick, I do want to go down to career stats real quick. And I know I don't usually do this, but I'm, I got to do this for this one here. In terms of career rebounds, he is 11th all time. Mm-hmm. In terms of rebounds per game, he is 22nd all time. Offensive rebounds, he's 8th all time. Mm-hmm. Blocks, he is 15th all time. Ben, what are the numbers that stood out to you? Uh, the rebounding, I forgot that he was such a you, – you think about Dwight Howard, you think about his blocks, and I do forget sometimes about the rebounding. But, yeah, the 30 rebounds, five-time rebounding champ. Yeah, and just how explosive he was on defense. I, I was thinking back in that or, some of those Orlando teams. That team made the finals. They beat out like a, a couple – a super team in the Celtics, and they – and then they, uh, LeBron, that, that LeBron team had recently made the finals. So yeah, yeah, they did yeah, beat out yeah, the, that, that LeBron team. That was a good, that was a good team. So that you bring up those stats reminded me of like prime Dwight and thinking about that team. Maurice. Well, like I just mentioned, Will Chamberlain numbers, 30 rebounds in a game. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, that's utterly dominant. I'm pretty sure the only other modern player, and I'd have to check this out for sure. But the only player that I can think of that's done that besides Dwight in the past 23 years is Andre Drummond, who we know is a beast on the boards. Yeah, and according to him, he's the greatest rebounder of all time. I don't know about all that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Anything else, Maurice, you want to add? Go ahead. No, no, I I want to hear more of what you have to say about his numbers. Yeah, yeah, and just I want to say offensive rebounds as well. Well, you said his career high was eight. What was his average offensive rebounds, Lucas? For his career is yeah. 3.3. Yeah, but we there know. were at least, hang on, let me count here. Almost, there were, the rephrase, the years that he did not average at least three offensive rebounds were one, two, three, four, five out of his oh, career, no. where he and averaged it, under three. And we all know. In basketball, offensive rebounds can really change the tide of a game. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Good point. So, Uriah? I think you said all-time he's 11th on the rebounding list. Mm-hmm. I would think he'd be higher because he played for so long and he averaged double-digit rebounds for several seasons consecutively. There's no surprise that he is where he is in the shot blocking category because like Ben said, explosive defender. Maurice mentioned crazy Wilt Chamberlain numbers. Thirty rebounds in the game is is remarkable in and of itself. But I, I think when you when you consider his teams where he's dependent upon help side defense, he's so quick to respond. And I think that lent itself to the idea of leading the league in shot blocks because he was so he's such a formidable opponent in the paint and fluid too pretty nimble for a guy who's 265 and and 610 just a few things that i want to add here in terms of blocks it was only until three out of the past four seasons he averaged under a block per game that means he averaged at least one. He averaged over two, at least one, two, three, four, five seasons that he averaged over two. 
terms of rebounding, rebounding wasn't until the past four seasons where he essentially became a backup, where he averaged under 10 as well. So, and, and just talk about prime Dwight. I think it's not outrageous to say that in terms of pure athleticism, Dwight Howard in his prime was the most athletic center in NBA history. We don't have a lot of film on Wilt, and he didn't really have to do that much jumping. Yeah, like in terms of like athletic nah, jumping. Listen, you mentioned earlier about people filing out a lot. Wilt Chamberlain, he has some crazy record where he went seasons without ever fouling out of a game. Wilt Chamberlain, I used to kind of hate on Wilt a little bit, mm-hmm. but when I read up on the background and some of the things that he did, it was crazy. We we can get into a Wilt-Dwight Howard debate or a comparison in the future, but let's, well, uh, yeah. let's move on. I'm yeah. just saying, in my, oh. from all the center's highlights that I've seen, yeah, Dwight is easily, because like, Wilt's playing against competition besides Bill Russell. There was nobody even close to him athletic, uh, athletically. Like, the league wasn't athletic back then. True, true. That's, so, the, that's why I said. That's debatable, okay. but I will say... Going from Shaq to Dwight Howard as the two most dominant centers back to back. But but the thing is, I don't. Dwight was easily the best center, but I don't know if he was offensively that dominant. He only had four seasons where he averaged over twenty points per game, and like I said, his career high was twenty three essentially. So he was a force. He was a force, but like he he did not have a back to the basket game. No, I mean, look at the centers we have right now that are the, the offense. It's, yeah. yeah, he's nowhere near that. Third quarter, accolades. At the beginning of the year, did you say to yourself, I want to be the defensive player of the year? Uh, 100%. Um, it's something that would only take our team to the next level if I'm on that if I'm on that type of time, playing defense, helping everybody out. Uh you know, whenever we're playing like that, team defense really helps us. It goes a long way. I have a kind of a co guy right here on my on my on my right, Dylan Brooks, who brings it every night. Um, and we kinda lay the foundation for what we need to do as a team. So I mean, I definitely said that to myself and I know he did too. And I'm glad we got one to the nine oh one. All right, guys, that was Jaron Jackson Jr. talking to Shaq after winning. He is currently the reigning Defensive Player of the Year. Jaron Jackson Jr. has only played four NBA seasons, and he pretty much missed an entire season. So it's really only three. So he doesn't have the biggest resume as far as accolades. So how many times has he made an NBA defensive team? Four times. Twice. Yeah, it's, it's twice. Has he ever made an all-star team? No. What? One? Okay. One? Okay. This past huh? season, guys. One, oh, yeah. Okay. All right. So, basically, he's two-time All-NBA Defensive First Team, NBA Defensive Player of the Year, and he's an NBA All-Star. So, he's kind of like and he's two-time blocks leader. So, when you say that out loud, like, that's pretty impressive. But, again... We're analyzing someone who has about a three-year career, but you can kind of see that his he's going to have an incredible resume. He's working on his offensive game. You see a little bit more offense every year in his game, 
and hopefully the rebounding improves. But yeah, I would say, so what do you think, what stands out to you guys? And the, and one more thing, he was all NBA rookie first team in 2019. So I want to give that a shout, shout out. But Uriah, I'll start with you. What, what stands out? This reminds me of when we were talking about LaMelo Ball, Ben, and you were kind of stumped because he's so young. But I think the emphasis is the youth and maturity and how quickly players like Jaron Jackson have refined certain skills that most NBA big men don't even develop in an eight to 10 year career. So for him to win these accolades, defensive player of the year, make an all-star game and all defensive team, I think you just have to tip your hat to him figure out how to merge his natural athletic gifts with the skill that's required to patrol the paint protect the room and be that defensive anchor that Memphis needs him to be. For sure. And one other thing that we haven't really mentioned, and uh, uh, obviously Maurice will get into this with teammates, but Jaron Jackson juniors, they've, they've been a playoff team and like arguably not like a first round exit team, but like border fringe, I would say content, not a fringe contender. And and currently with the current roster, definitely a contender. Yeah. Um, So that's something to consider too. This guy's impact is, is much like we're talking about like a Draymond. It it matters. Maurice, what about you? What stands out? Yeah. And for me being a four year player, when you get selected to an all-star team, there's a fan vote involved with that also. So the fans think that, Hey, this guy, this young guy, is pretty special and let's put him on a team with the best players in the world and see what he does yeah good point yep that's true and he was he we'll see if he makes the olympic team probably not with joel on uh, being added but hopefully he still makes it lucas what about you i think the nba really values shot blocking and help defense in today's award voting. So I think as long as he continues to do that, he'll get more awards. Like I said before, I think he's slightly overrated. I think he can. He's a good shot blocker and good uh, help defender. But I also think he hunts shot blocks instead of playing good, you know, down to earth defense too. And that's why he brings himself into some fouling situations but overall he's a good player i'm not saying that he's not a good player i think he if he can get a little bit smarter on defense cut down on the fouling i think he'll even be better yeah for maurice's point for him to appeal to fans when the nba is fans are obsessed with dribbling passing and dunking and scoring for him to get in there and he's not even the number three four option on offense that shows the respect that fans and coaches have for Jaron Jackson. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I'll end with this all NBA rookie first team. Think about the guys on that list. You have Luca and Trey. Um, he's in a pretty good star studded draft. So the fact that I, I, that, that surprised me the most. I didn't think that he was that dominant right away. So. Going with Claudia Jestro, please. So I com- congratulations as you were holding that trophy. What went through your mind? Oh man, I was just I was just like, man, this is this is the moment that you know I've been dreaming about every day, you know, since I came back to this team, uh holding up the trophy. It really still hasn't hit me yet, you know what I'm saying, that you know we won. So I'm just 
right now I'm just trying to enjoy this moment and very thankful and grateful just to have this opportunity. And this is a blessing from the most high. So I am, oh man, I just, I don't, I don't have a lot of words. I'm just very grateful. All right. That is a clip of Dwight Howard after the Lakers won the chip. You're right. Yeah. Championship. And they won the NBA championship in the bubble. Mm -hmm. No asterisks there. And don't start with all. It's, it's not an asterisk, though. I, I agree. I don't think that no. I just start. that wasn't sarcasm. That was oh. ge- that was genuine. My bad. My bad. Yeah, that no, was actually I, genuine. I, I, I think oh, there okay. is no asterisk there. All right, so we're gonna get through that. This guy has a he's thirty seven, so he has had a career. So this is gonna be a much larger accolade list mm-hmm. than Jaron Jackson Jr. All right, so I'm gonna get into it. All right, how many times has Dwight Howard been an all-star? I'll start with you, Lucas. Ooh, okay. I know he got one with Houston, only one with Houston, and then the rest were with the Magic. So I don't think he got it his first two years. So I'm going to say he's an eight-time all-star. Maurice? Seven. I'm going to say seven. Lucas is the winner. Yes! And and eight years, over here. <laughs> eight years straight, guys. I didn't, 2000. Even, I didn't even cheat on that one, guys. I honestly wasn't even paying attention. We know. Was, from 2007 know. through 2014, so eight straight years. He actually has a similar accolade list to someone, and, and given that he's still kind of like he revitalized his career later in life, his, it kind of reminds you a little of Vince Carter. I'm going to throw that out there. Yeah, I as far that, as I like yeah. About how he re- he kind of recategorized himself yeah. later in life. That's fair. Um, That's a fair comparison. Yeah. And okay, uh, how many times has Dwight Howard been in all NBA um, in the all, all NBA conversation? Uh, not not defensive team, all NBA. So um, can this, that be first, second, and third, or are you talking first team? Let's do let's do first team. Okay, you're oh. right. I'll go three times, Lucas. I'll say six times. Maurice? Hey, Lucas has been right, so I'm going to look on his paper. His, just... <laughs> you cheater. We're going to sit you across the room in the corner, six. Maurice. All right. So you, Maurice and Lucas were close. It's five. Oh. Okay. But this, this, isn't a, this isn't a slight on Dwight, but it kind of shows how probably weak the league was with bigs because he was. actually he he he's an eight time five time first team what he was once the second second team and then a two time and all nba third team so he was a eight time all nba center i kind of wanted the five the five time first team just shows me like given what lucas said about the points like and that that was a rough era for centers. Well, I want to know who beat him out for the second and third teams. I know Andrew Bynum probably beat him out once, right? Ben Wallace. Nah, uh, not- no, 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 because this he's he's in twenty fourteen was the second team. Oh, and that? then that's way after Ben Wallace. Third okay. team was twenty thirteen. So who was <sighs> what? Brooke Lopez? Are we saying Brooke Lopez? Not for all NBA. Mark Gasol. You know what, Lucas? Oh, you know, no, no, no. This is going to be – this is the most controversial because it was the position. Dude, DeAndre Jordan. Oh, yeah. DeAndre yeah. Jordan. I forgot hmm. about that. He was yep. really yeah. bad about that that year. That's, 
Look at the centers now. But God, man, it's yeah. such a weak era. All yeah, right. Really anyway, three-time th- – all right. He's a three-time uh, NBA Defensive Player of the Year for and three years straight. Four-time All-NBA Defensive First Team, All-NBA Defensive Second Team. So he's actually only – this was kind of surprising. Only five-time All-NBA Defensive Team given – His prime yeah, was short. Yeah, his prime was short. Again, like similar to the, uh, how many times, Lucas? Lucas, I think you mentioned this, but how many times was he a rebounding champ, Uriah? Rebounding champ. I want to look say at the screen four times. Four, five. All right, fine. Five times, Lucas. Lucas is giving us pity. Lucas now, already mentioned it. It's yeah, five times. Yeah, it's five times. Um, all right. And then he's a two-time uh, NBA uh, blocks leader in 2009, 2010. And then I got to mention it. What year did he win the dunk contest? Which time? He, he won, won it more it than once. He won oh, he did? Nope. He's only ever won it once. Uh, what? He participated twice, uh, but he only won it once. Yeah. Oh, was it the uh, year that he won? Oh, it was the year that he won. He put the cape on. Yeah, it was 2008. Superman. And he blew out a candle and a cupcake. Yep. No, that, no was... that was Gerald Green. That was Gerald Green in 2005. That was? Oh, I yeah. thought that was Dwight Howard. I'm, you're right. I'm surprised you don't have the clip of Kenny the Jet Smith. Saying Superman is in the building, <laughs> man. Shaq yeah. was not happy about that. Shaq, yeah. Shaq hated that. I yeah. remember that. Yeah, uh, it was 2008, guys. So, yeah. so Lucas again. The I, Lucas I was, is de- I was Lucas a, is definitely a Dwight fan because he knows a Dwight lot. Of, fan. Yeah. Yeah. Lucas's was. bedroom even today has about ten posters of Dwight Howard on it. Shh, don't tell people. It's, it's interesting. <laughs> it's interesting when we do like because like we're a little older and like I I don't know. That era, I don't, I, I, it wasn't that I didn't watch basketball, but I wasn't like that involved in the Orlando Magic. All right. And I think his most important accolade, given the, the clip that Uriah just played, he was the NBA champion in 2020. Mm-hmm. And so he got that chip. And that's about it. I mean, it's, it's a pretty impressive list, I would say. Like I said, I love the Vince Carter comparison, lost his athleticism as he aged, as players do. And I think, he did a good job of having like a chapter two where he's like, yo, I'm, I'm going to be this like help defender, this backup center uh, in my thirties. And hopefully he gets to play again. Cause I think he's still got some game. Let, let me ask you guys something here real quick. If Dwight was in his prime today, where would he be in terms of best center list? He Definitely. honestly, Lucas, he would not be top in, in my opinion. He would not be. Well, he wouldn't be top two. No, definitely not top two. Would he be? Is Bam? Is, is Bam Sabonis and Car Anthony? I think Car Anthony Towns is better than him if he's healthy. No, personally. I don't. I don't think. Prime, so. I don't think so. I, I think he's third. Prime Dwight, I think, would be third, but quite a big gap. Yeah, it would be a the big top gap. two. Yeah, because he doesn't have any offensive skills besides you know dunking the ball. Well, you have to you have to consider. Yeah, yeah. Defensively, no one can touch him in this era. But yeah. he, was, uh, he was an unstoppable alley-oop threat. Well, he and here's just... the other thing, too. There's more space in today's game. So would he be better as a pick-and-roll threat? Good role, man. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think he, he is better. He I And mean, there's such a big gap between the top two. But he is better than Sabonis and, and Bam Adebayo. Like, we could all agree yeah, on I that. Yeah, I mean, him and prime. Bam are probably the closest ones. Because I think even though Sabonis had a better season this year, I still think Bam's the third best center. 
And then if if Towns could just stay healthy for a year, I actually do really like his game offensively. It's just defensively. Well, their games are so the opposite ends of the spectrum. I think if you had a modern comparison, it'd be Bam. All right, so what do you guys think? What stands out? I'm going to go with you, Maurice. You compare him to Vince Carter, and Vince Carter never got the chance to win a championship, which is sad. But it's always good for me to see the longtime vets finally win one, even if they have the ring chase. In this case, I don't think Dwight Howard ring chase. I just think he was just on the the right team at the right time. Yeah, we've talked about the bubble championship before, but uh, it's, it's always good to see Dwight or any veteran win an NBA championship to complete their career statistically. You know, they can always go in the Hall of Fame and say, hey, I got a ring. And he he helped that team, too. Like, he was a big part of that team. Um, What about you, Uriah? What stands out? I was going to say the same thing, Maurice. The championship, it was seeing him go through all the stuff he went through as people labeling him as an aloof player or a quote-unquote not good teammate for whatever reason. Kobe actually dragged his name through the mud for being soft. And and I think that's unfair, especially when the guy has the numbers to back it up. You can't lead the league in rebounds and block shots and be considered a soft player. I'm sorry. Yeah. And if there were such thing as a statistic that they would archive in terms of the number of shots that he deflected not deflect um deterred like made mm-hmm. guys think twice reluctant to even shoot mm-hmm. the ball yeah he would be up there in, in a high category mm-hmm. but but yeah i think maurice you made a good point and i want to stick with that too is it was really good to see him earn that championship first off is that let's go back to that the the when kobe called him soft dwight howard was dealing with a back injury that apparently made it so hard for him to even get out of bed he had to get back surgery he should not have played that season in la but he felt like he was going to let people down. Two, Dwight probably should have won an MVP. Probably the year that Derrick Rose won it, in all honesty. That's a tough I one. I get it. That big man <laughs> didn't win MVPs at that point. But you got to admit, what he was able to do with that Orlando Magic team was special. Also, that brings me to my third point here. That Orlando Magic team set up the blueprint of how to play with a big man in the modern NBA. Have four out. You had Hito Turkaloo, Rashard Lewis, Jameer Nelson, and whoever the two was, whether it be Courtney Lee, Mikhail Petrus, you know, whoever it was. You have to play four out with a modern big in today's NBA. Dwight Howard's Orlando Magic was the start of that. So I, I think that that's important. Yeah, you're right. That, that That's a good point. That was kind of like they, they surprised everyone they made the mm-hmm. finals. And you're right, Lucas, because he. It is interesting. I don't. I wonder what the stat would be on this to to get five All NBA first teams and not have an MVP. I, I think that's probably pretty rare. So that, that's a lot of first teams. Fourth quarter, teammates. What are what are some things you learned from Marcus through the course of the season? How to defensive position is huge. You know, just reading defense, reading offense. You know, he's you see when he's out there, he's really calm and he, he understands that you know that kind of stuff. But that's just because he's been in the game so long. And that just comes from his experience. All right, let's talk about Jaron Jackson Jr. and his teammates. Uh, drafted in the 2018 NBA draft, he's played four years on the same team. So this is going to be a little bit quick. Um, but like I mentioned earlier, Stephen Adams has helped, really helped 
from a mentorship that team and defensive. We talked about rebounding. He's in pretty much an elite rebounder, which is taking a lo- taking a load off of Jaron Jackson when it comes to at least rebounding. Um, some of his other teammates, as we all know, John Morant, a perennial superstar, could be an MVP caliber player if he can just stay on the court. He's won the most games with John Morant, only 106 games won so far in the um, games played. They played 188 games, so small sample size, but that's his most winningest teammate. Dylan Brooks, who's no longer with the team, but he was a teammate for the first four years. Desmond Bain, Kyle Adams. Valachunas was on the team as well before he was moved for Steven Adams. So he's always had a, a, a solid rebounding big with him. I don't know if that's the formula that they will use going forward with him throughout his career, or maybe down the line he will move to the five position. I don't know. Um, Ashley has a one. He has one year with Marcus Saul as well, 2018-2019 season. And oh. in that same year, Mike Conley was on the team. Oh. So they've had some veteran leadership. Jay Crowder, Garrett Temple, Tyus Jones, who's no longer on the team, DeAnthony Melton, Grayson Allen. And now this season they've added Marcus Smart and Derek Derrick mm. Rose. Um, this is more of, of a question of a projection going forward with the Memphis mm-hmm. Grizzlies. Where do you guys see that team, that, that roster, and that core going forward with John Morant, with Jaron Jackson, Stephen Adams? Where do you guys see them potentially being a contender in the West going forward? I'm going to start with Ben. Definitely a contender. I, uh, I think Marcus Smart – the Celtics are going to see how messed that guy is in the playoffs. Agreed. A lot um, of harm. And he brings them veteran leadership um, that they desperately need. And the coaching on Memphis, you just named so many guys that have been developed and now are playing well on other teams like Grayson Allen, Tyus Jones, you know, Dylan Brooks. But um, yeah, that team is, if they get, if they can stay healthy and on the court, like you said, They've got a lot of dogs on that team. So I think given that the West is a little more outside of Denver, I don't see them, the West being, the Lakers are good, but I'm still not a full believer. I think Memphis could be that team if they're healthy at the right time that could uh, upset Denver. Lucas? So I think this season with John Morant being suspended, I, I don't see them being contender. Honestly, there's a chance in my mind if things go south. Only 25 uh, well, games. Just hear me out. I I think there's a a piece in my mind here that it could go so south because Marcus Smart's personality is really big. We know that he clashes with coaches. And honestly, as good as Taylor Jenkins is with his stats, uh, you know, with his game planning and stuff, he doesn't control the locker room. Dylan Brooks and John Moran's situations last year proved that. So I, I think that this could very well implode this season. That being said, outside of this season, I think they're going to be a contender. I think they still need a go-to wing, like a big wing. But I think they're going to be a contender for a long time, just not this year. But real quick, do you value the leadership? I do, but I also think Marcus Smart thinks he knows better than the coach. Mm. I mean, did you not notice how much him and Joe Missoula clashed last year? 
So that's that's just that's that that's Fair that's point. just Fair I'm point. not saying that you can't coach that Mark Smart isn't a coachable player, but young coaches like Taylor Jenkins, Marcus, uh Joe Missoula would have a hard time with him. And honestly, like I said, I don't think that Taylor Jenkins has a good control of the personnel in the locker room. John Morant and you know Dylan Brooks being prime examples of that. You're right. Yeah, the evidence of conflict with Missoula, I'll give you that, but you have to consider that they actually had a winning record and were doing just fine without John Morant two or three years ago. They actually, I think they might have had a yeah, but that's with Tyus Jones, know, not Marcus Smart. Set. And I think Tyus Jones might be a better offensive player than Marcus Smart. Well, that's debatable, but I think the whole idea of him being a veteran, he's older now. If, if he was younger, like 24, 25, I could see him going in and, and shaking things up and being a disruption. But he's older now. Maybe he changed his hair from green to blue. I don't know yet. But, you know, that's a major decision <laughs> that could affect winning, right? So there's all, there's, Yeah, there's also, like, they have the two back-to-back MVPs on their team. Or, I'm yeah. sorry, Defensive Player of the Year is yeah. on their team. Yeah, and Dave Jay- Marcus Smart and Jaron Jackson Jr. That makes a difference. You have a guy who can really defend the perimeter and sacrifice his body for the greater good of the team. And then you have Jaron Jackson patrolling the paint so i think their, their defense is going to be good and but i don't the trust the offense years. especially without jaw who do you have um desmond bain who's really a third option on a great team like i not like, i do not too like but i don't think that that's going to be enough especially with jaw out so i think they're going to have to dig themselves out of a hole first ballot hall of famer Yes, but no far, question. Easy, should, easy. should have should have won the MVP in 2011. It was the year after you left, Matt. But yep. he should have won the year Derrick Rose won it. Great story, and they they were the number one seed. Great story, but Dwight was the most valuable person in basketball that year. Mm-hmm. He should have won MVP. Yeah, he dominated. Um, what I've seen this year is just embracing a role that so many people wanted him to embrace for the last four or five years, mm-hmm. and. I think it's really hard. We all had good offensive seasons, you know, the three of us. But when you're a superstar and you're used to the ball going through you, I think it's really hard to make that adjustment to being a role player. It's just, it's unnatural. And most of us had to deal with that at an earlier age, right? Mm -hmm. Either in college or earlier in our NBA career, and it became about fitting in and maximizing a role and carving out a niche for yourself in the league. But when you start out as the number one guy and then 10, 12 years later, they're like, we need you to dial it back a little bit. That's hard to do. And so you've seen it this year. He's just completely embraced. Like, I'm going to defend my ass off. I'm going to grab every single rebound. I'm going to set hellacious screens be a great how teammate. strong how strong and how strong great, is he say, and be a great teammate yeah. he's been a great how, teammate all year how, how strong is he people don't understand that's probably the strongest dude i ran across in my career unlike a switch matt it, it's it's impossible to box him out all right let's talk about dwight howard drafted in the 2004 nba draft by the orlando magic played the bulk of his career the prime of his years in Orlando. So let's get to some of his teammates. Before I even start, because um, I'm going to run down some names, but I want to ask you guys, because this is a not an obscure name. We know who this person is, but it might take a little digging. Who is the most winningest teammate of Dwight Howard in his career? 
we know. Just give it to Lucas. He knows it. It's, so Jameer Nelson. Duh. He this got it. He's on a roll today. He's on a roll today. I got to give it up. He's on a roll today. You're on fire today. It was either going to be Jameer Nelson or Vito Turklu. It was one of those two. Yeah, Jameer Nelson, 252 wins with Dwight Howard, and Hito Turkle is right behind it with 240. I knew it. I knew so, it. I couldn't tell you who the third one is on yeah. the list. Actually, can, 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 hang on. Probably Richard Lewis, right? If I get it right, you're right. You got to you got to send me like a $5 gift card if I get this right. <laughs> $5. <laughs> That's so random. Why, why know, $5? Man. Why not I mean, 100 I'm not trying to make you broke. Look, I will bend a million dollars, so you just have to. Win. I don't got a million dollars, but I'll try. Let me see here. I'm well, trying to think of who he's played with the most outside of those two. Is it is it Richard Lewis? Yes, it is Richard Lewis. Ben 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 missed the first okay. though. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Ben missed the first. Richard Lewis, 175 wins okay. with Dwight Howard. Actually, he has the highest win percentage of the three with Dwight Howard, 69. percent that team was well constructed. They really all those were. Years. Yeah, yeah they really I think were. Jameer Nelson's injury kind they of derailed vi- that team, and Dwight wanting to get out. Yeah, they were yeah. a viable contending team during that era. We kind of forget that From era, like 2007 to 2011. LA. Yeah, that's about a good four year or five year window. Other teammates Dwight played with Tony Petit, Grant Hill for a short amount of time, 04 okay. to 07, Vince Carter for two years. Um, 2010 to 2009 to 2011. Uh, Steve Francis, that's a name we haven't heard in a while, for one year in Orlando. Hmm. Uh, Matt Barnes, Hmm. I think we heard Matt Barnes in that clip. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Here's a name, Brandon Bass. I remember Brandon Bass. Courtney Lee. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Former Celtic, yeah. Yeah. J.J. Reddick was on that Mm -hmm. team as well. Um, Rookie, his first couple years. Ray for Austin. Seems like he's been Skipped my Lou. Jason Williams, mm-hmm. 09-010. Katino mm-hmm. Mobley, Doug Christie, mm-hmm. and Glenn Baby mm-hmm. Davis. Another person we've talked about on this podcast, Gilbert Arenas. Did, did you got right. Vince Carter on the did you, did you, man, everyone, everyone, man, everyone, everyone goes did, to Orlando to, like, on that list? <laughs> to give it up. Man. Did you yeah. say Simi? Yeah, Vince. Okay. Vince, okay. Vince, 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 Vince. Yeah. It's like Orlando before you retire. Yeah, that, that's what that list told me. <laughs> Real quick, did you guys legitimately think that they could have won a championship, Uriah? I think they should have and could have. They lost to the Lakers, right? I think that was an experience thing. You had Kobe, who had been there many times, and other mm-hmm. veterans on that team. I think it was Dwight's first time, Jameer Nelson's first time, obviously Reddick. So I think. Had they returned and maybe had a rematch, they could have maybe stole one. But I, I think they had the talent. They had the shooters, Turkoglu and Rashard Lewis, all mm-hmm. the guys that Lucas <laughs> has mentioned. It's they, <laughs> Lucas has salivated about and dreams about every night. Rashard Lewis was definitely <laughs> underrated, very underrated. Yeah. So I think they should have Lucas. Yeah, I, the Jameer <laughs> Nelson thing. Yeah, I'll let Lucas go because this is I his squad. No, no, no. You're gonna make we're gonna make him wait. <laughs> He already monopolizes everyone's segment. Interrupts me talking about ahead, the Washington Commanders. Go ahead, Ben. I, I I like what Lucas said about our our Philly guy Jameer Nelson. Shout out to I used to go to those St. Joe's games when I was at LaSalle and when they were number one and they would yeah. just destroy our team. 
Yeah, Jameer Nelson, his career, I think, is people forget how good he was. He was an all star. He was, you know, a top five, six point guard at one point in his career. Yeah, I think I, I really like what Lucas said. I think that was the player when he got hurt that they just couldn't recover because he was their floor general. I do think that team maybe reached their their yeah. their peak though, making the finals, upsetting the you know the Celtics that KG and then and LeBron's team was you know they had made the finals. The East wasn't deep, but it was top heavy back then. So mm-hmm. I I think that was a shock that they. Uh, what did they do in they the won, finals? They, by they the way, only how many games? Game. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think yeah. that might have been their peak if I'm being honest. Yeah, that was their peak. And once LeBron went to Miami, it was, it was yeah. they, they were done. Look, I, I agree. I think that was their peak. I think that was their one year and it just Kobe was be, Kobe was Mamba part two and nobody was stopping that once it got going, except for Father Time. Uh another thing that I forgot to say is after I think it was either after that season or the year after Hito Turkoglu left in free agency and then came back a year later, but was a shell of himself. So in reality, it it was a very short window for that Orlando team and they were really good for, and they were really fun. Could Dwight Howard have been the best player on a championship team? I say no, despite having an MVP caliber season. I think that uh, overall during his prime, I think that he probably could not have been the best player because you needed to have a legit a score a better score and a bigger personality than him to win a championship, and that Orlando team did not have it. So after Dwight's run with Orlando, he was traded to the Los Angeles Lakers. Only played one season with the Lakers. Um, of course, people played with Kobe Bryant. They had their issues. I think it was a viral meme that went around for years of Kobe calling Dwight soft. But like Lucas explained, that was a year he had a back injury. He was shell himself for that season. Yeah, for that one season, and he, of course he had another stint with another two stints with the Lakers. But that season in particular, he played with Kobe, another person we've highlighted on our podcast, Metal World Peace, um, Steve Nash, Paul Gasol. That was a good Lakers team, and for whatever reason, reason injuries. Um, locker room turmoil. They did. They couldn't put it together, but they definitely had the. Talent. I can tell you why they didn't put it together. It was Mike D'Antoni, the yeah. system. Okay. Mm-hmm. And and good. Like we saw this with Brooklyn recently. It's not always about talent. This isn't yeah. two K. Like mm-hmm. you have to have. There, there's pieces that have to fit. You kind of see it with. Yeah. Yeah. Championship team isn't just like Steve having Nash superstars. And Brian was never going to be a good fit. Yeah, I mean, that should have yeah, that worked. was too ball but... dominant, so was Kobe. Yeah. And uh, moving on a little bit, uh, and after that, he signed with Houston, um, Houston Rockets. Um, he played with James Harden, played with Patrick Beverly, Chandler Jones, Clint Capella towards the end, Jason Terry. That was a contending team, but they were young. What I do remember about the, the Houston Rockets were and, and, and kind of same thing with the Lakers. The system just Dwight just didn't fit there. I don't for whatever reasons he didn't fit. Um, after that, he went. He he made substantial other teams. He signed with the um, with the Atlanta Hawks, his hometown team. Didn't really do much there. Schroeder, Millsap, um, Kyle Korver wasn't a good stint with Atlanta, his hometown team. Um, after that, he went to New Orleans. 
play with the Hornets. Yes, um, he did. Yeah, oh my god, it was horrendous. Really got that. Jeez. Yeah, a stint with the Hornets. Who was on that team? I'm curious. Who was on that team? That was Kemba. That was Kemba. Kemba. Um, Wow, he played with Kemba. 2017-2018 season. No way, Kemba was in Charlotte. No, no, he He wasn't in in New Orleans. That's where he's at. He, yeah, the Hornets. Dwight was with the Hornets. Yeah, remember they were from Charlotte. They were from North to Charlotte. Oh, I got it. Okay. Hmm. All right. So hmm. nor- in that transition, it was yeah. okay. Yes. All right. So they Kemba, Michael Kill Gil, Gil- Michael K. Oh, wow. Gilchrist, Marvin Williams, Nicholas hmm. Batum, Jeremy Lamb, and Michael Carter Williams. Oh, MCW was there? Oh gosh. <laughs> yeah. Now after that, he had another trip. What did he go next? Uh, the wizard the wizards. <laughs> the wizards. <laughs> Lost there. Yeah. It was the Wizards. He had a half a season. With, he was, was injured. Yeah, he, he got Wizards? injured. Yeah, and that was John Wall, Bradley Bill, Otto Porter, Kelly Oubre. Now, after that, he went to the Lakers, mm-hmm. the 2019-2020 season. We, I think we've covered this. We just talked about this. That was the bubble year. A lot. Some people, I'm not going to say a lot, some people discredit that championship. But I always say a win is a win. A championship is a championship. He got a mm-hmm. ring. Yeah. And that's all that matters. Yeah, he got, got a ring. Yeah, on that Lakers team, LeBron, Anthony Davis. Dwight was key in shutting down uh, Jokic in that playoff run. Yeah, he played really good against mm-hmm. Jokic. I mean, yeah. picking his pocket, he, he definitely put Jokic he in, a, work in a bad there. spot. He definitely did. Yeah. No, he, he, played, he played with the Sixers for one year. <laughs> then he played with the Lakers one year. Now, as of this recording, he's playing in Taiwan. Mm, somewhere, yeah, shooting threes. He he, he averaged like <laughs> he, he had like threes. eighty-six point game at one point, I think. But he did recently work out points. Warriors, though. Uh, I think they went with uh, Rodney Magruder instead. Who do you think was the most effective and pivotal teammate Dwight Howard has had? Of all the names I rattled off, who do you think is the most pivotal and important teammate Dwight Howard has had? I'm gonna start with Uriah. LeBron James. LeBron James. He brought him brought him to LA, told him his vision, and he executed like you guys were talking about against Jokic when they needed him in the playoffs that year. So I say LeBron. I think that was a good move for him. And as a result, he became a champion. Lucas? To answer your question simply, it was Hito Turkaloo. I think the pick and roll with him and Hito having two big guys, because Hito was six nine, six ten, playing a pick and roll with another six ten guy really revolutionized the game in that sense because you didn't really see that too often besides LeBron James and Magic Johnson. So I think that one, but another one that maybe not in a good way was Kobe Bryant. Look, Kobe, Dwight, Dwight was immature at that point. He was in his mid-20s, um, and Kobe wasn't feeling it, so he tried to give him tough love. And in the way that Kobe, the relationship between Kobe and Dwight Reminded me of it was similar, not not quite the same because obviously Michael Jordan was a lot worse to Kwame Brown, but it, it kind of gave off that same type of vibes. Yes, that's that's a good grab. So about let me need tough, tough love. love. Yeah, yeah. If, if we're be, the polite version of it, <laughs> is there such thing as polite? Uh, tough I mean, love? the way that I'm wording it that is exists. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Ben? Oh yeah. I'm actually gonna go. A different approach here. He was on the Sixers team when they were the one seed. Mm. He was a big part of that. 
and his leadership and experience as a big, that was when he, Joel's game became an MVP candidate yeah, in that on. season. Go and on. I think that leadership really developed Joel just because it was a big that had done it before. I think you saw just Joel kind of take that big leap. It's probably not just Dwight, but I think um, I'm sure having him in the locker room in practice that year really helped. So I'm going to go with Joel because um, LeBron, everyone picked LeBron, obviously. Everyone yeah, picked LeBron, but yeah. that that's a teammate that after he worked with Joel and then yeah. so obviously Dwight Joel was definitely beat. one of the better backups that Joel has had. All right, so we just wrapped up another amazing comparison. Now it's time to talk about our Patreon page because with that, you can have access to our Hall of Fame episodes. For example, that's where we compare marksmen like Reggie Miller to Damian Lillard, sensations like Luka Doncic to Larry Bird, and goats. Yes, we will eventually get to LeBron and Michael Jordan. But you can also access our official comparison ratings and even make suggestions on which players or even categories that you'd like us to compare in a future episode. You want a shout out from Maurice? Yo. Lucas? Yo, yo. Or even Ben? What's up, guys? We'll read a question that you have for us and we'll give a personal response. We can't wait to hear what's on your mind when it comes to our NBA comparisons. Enjoy the free pod episodes for now, but when you are ready for all that exclusive content, join one of our three Patreon tiers and be part of our exclusive basketball community. Now that we've set up the debate with all the facts on Jaron Jackson Jr. and Dwight Howard, it's time for you to make your At case. At this point, it's not about our opinion. It's about yours. We'll see you on your favorite social media platform, ready to check out your takes. Chime in on our Instagram at NBA underscore now and then underscore pod on Twitter at NBA underscore now and then and on our Facebook page, NBA now and then. Okay, guys, until next time, this has been NBA now and then the greatest comparisons. We'll see you next time. Peace. Have a good one. See ya. Later. <laughs>